0: Good evening, America, and welcome to Restoring Your Republic, brought to you by Republic for the United States of America.org.
1: Lawfully restoring our constitutional republic, peacefully and lawfully and legally. And it's all been done and waiting for you. So please come accept your gift and learn how to operate it.
0: Hello, America. You know, the last couple of weeks, we having conversations after our initial call, and the word faith has come up. I was wondering last week after listening to everybody talk, what if most Americans that go to church, they hear the word faith, they, they try to use it in their everyday life, And most of us wonder why things don't happen the way we expect them to. Could it be like I found out in 95 through 96 that the faith that I was using was not the correct faith? I learned through experience, trial and error, and usually by tribulation, That the faith I was using wasn't right. Faith isn't the gab it and grab it. It's not the name it and then frame it. And it's not the simple say it and then take it. It's not the prosperity gospel type of faith. Faith is a whole lot more than just that. When we break it down, It's the ABCs of God. Faith compiles four things. In James 2.17, it says faith without works is dead. So faith is an action. In Hebrews 11.1, it says that faith is a substance of things believed in but not yet seen. So faith is a belief. In 1 John 5.14, it says that faith is our confidence that we have when we bring our petitions to the throne. So faith is our confidence that he hears us. And the fourth thing, and the biggest thing, is that in the world that we live in today, It takes 99.9% of your courage to use and live by that faith. See, we must use faith in order to have this republic stood up. Because it will not be us that stands it up. It will be the heart of the people of America. And then it will be by the power of God That we are stood up. No one or two people will ever be able to do that task. But there's a hitch to all about faith. And that is we all, you and I, must follow His Word. We must live His Word. And we must never walk away from Him and His throne, His Son, or his Holy Spirit. Right now, what we see going on out there in Biden land is the awakening of the people. Our enemy is trying to put us down. And all he's really doing is he is raising us up. He's raising God's people to a point of going on a spiritual warpath against him. People from all walks of life, are now sick and tired of him putting us down, placing us as a state of enemies against his agenda, and he has opened a lot of eyes, both physically and spiritually. Our founding fathers used their faith in a holy God to form this nation. But God didn't just come down one day and tell good old George He was going to make a new nation and that we were supposed to call it the United States of America. No, no one was told anything. So what happened? The founders in early 1776 began to write a document about freedom against the king of England. Before that, no one had the guts to do such a thing against any king. So they began to sit and talk, write, rewrite, argue. They even had duels. And in the end, on July 3rd, 1776, they had their rough draft done. It was the very beginning. And they made sure that the laws of nature and nature's God were included as all authority from above and on this earth was given his due. Now, at this point, I'm going to ask David Hurtler to later on, when I'm done, I'm going to ask him how long it took from the signing of the Declaration of Independence to the actual formation and ratification of the Constitution. He will tell you the date. He will tell you the amount of years it took. And then we're going to compare that to where we are right now in this republic. You see, in their day, the founding father's day, the local church was the seat of government. In every small town and village in the 13 newly formed states, the people met and talked and listened to those individuals who were running for an office locally and nationally. The people knew who they were, and they knew what the people wanted. There was no big tech, no huge corporations to run the government. The people ran it, and the church played the biggest part of all. But have you ever wondered where our presidential crest came from? We, the Republic, have in our possession the letters between Adams and Jefferson, Washington and Franklin, and it was stated there that they knew very well who they were, what bloodline they came from, and from where their power and authority came from. You see, you go back into biblical history, and you'll find that Joseph had two sons. Manasseh and Ephraim. And from the two crests of their tribes in Hebrew comes the arrows and the leaves. They are found at our presidential crest at the bottom of the bald eagle at the feet. They also knew that the ten tribe nations that went into exile in the Caucasus Mountains most southern boundary of Russia today, then was ruled by Gog and Magog. Today we can trace back to the early 450 B.C. era when they were supposedly lost. And after 220 years, wave after wave of white Anglo-Saxons came out of the migrated west to what is now Turkey, Greece, and into Europe, and then Spain. And finally, England. Also in 539 BC, Jeremiah and Tia, who was Hezekiah's daughter. A boatsman and a scribe left Jerusalem with the diadem and the crown. And a big stone called Jacob's pillar. A huge three-foot square, five-foot long rock with four huge iron rings in it. There they, where they could place a rod through it and carry it. They went to Alexandria, Egypt first. Then a year later, they went through the Straits of Gibraltar and landed at a group of isles called Ireland in 580 B.C. Ortea married an Irish prince, had children, along with the crown and the diadem. It later went to Scotland, Then in 1301, it landed in Westminster Abbey, England and was used for England's very first inauguration of a king, the first kingship. Thus, the prophecy of Ezekiel 21, 26 through 27 was fulfilled that he would overturn, overturn and overturn it. So he comes, whose right it is, to sit upon the throne from Jerusalem to Ireland is one overturn. from Ireland to Scotland is two overturns. From Scotland to England is three overturns. Then in ezekiel thirty eight thirteen we have a scripture where it's mentioned Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of purchase with all the young lions thereof. Sheba and Dedan are the Saudi Arabia Peninsula. The merchants of Tarsus were traders that came from Portugal and traded with a group of islands to the north known as the British Isles. The young lions of Britain are Canada, South Africa, Australia, United States and other English-speaking nations. All those Anglo-Saxon people coming westwardly over the centuries made contact with the descendants of Tia and her bloodline and are now, for the most part, Manasseh and Ephraim's bloodline. So if you want to have a bloodline from England, Scotland, Ireland, Iceland, Norway, Poland, and Greenland, you have the bloodline of Manasseh and Ephraim inside you. That makes you the bloodline of the Hebrews, the Chosen, and the Founders knew that since most of them came from England and Scotland and there were some from Ireland, they wrote the Constitution based upon the Church of the Messiah. And that church wound up right here in America. This is why in order back then to hold a seat in Congress or a Supreme Court justice, even a president and state officers, you had to openly state that you were a believer in Jesus Christ, that you were a firm believer in the laws of nature, and of nature's God. They did not want the Catholics here because of the Jesuits. They didn't want the Muslims here because at that time, England was still fighting the Crusades in Jerusalem and in Turkey. And they didn't want the Arabs because of the heritage of always causing and disrupting with war. They only wanted Christians for all public officers and officers. If you believed in another religion other than Christianity, you had to be made full aware that if you broke the law, you would be tried on biblical law, not on Sharia or not on any other type of law form. Eventually, in the late 1790s, the Jesuit came to the schools and churches and began to bring false teachings in, like with Irving and John Nielsen Darby, with dispensationalism and the pre-trib rapture, which had its start in 1836 in Glasgow, Scotland, with Irving and Darby, then later here in America with Schofield, the Moody Press, and then Dallas Theological Seminary then into every Sunday school in America across all denominations in the early 1900s. Thus, a false teaching proclaimed as truth. In 327 AD, at the First Council of Nicaea, the church at Rome changed laws of the Sabbath from the last day of the week to the first, and Passover to Easter. They brought in a false teaching of the tithe, which was done away with because there was no Jerusalem and no temple treasury since the tithe was always given biblically just three times a year. And only at Jerusalem and only on a feast day, the spring feast, Pentecost, and the fall feast, which will begin here at sundown on september 25 2022 the constitution was written with three branches because of the father-son spirit called elohim and because of biblical law which is broke down into only three kinds of law executive lawmaking and judgment no other nation had anything that resembled this constitution but in 1871 the great northern general grant who was now president signed into law from congress the organic act of 1871 for the district of columbia which gave dc all power over itself and just one week later they passed and grant signed into law the dictionary act which created then every person in america to become a corporation they changed the word the same thing they're doing now they changed the corporation us to a corporation and made us a slave to the state which eventually became a slave to the national government And today we have that as you and I are slaves to them. If you buy a vehicle, get any kind of license, drive on their roads, pay any tolls, buy their food with a credit card, have any kind of bank account, and use their city water by contract, you are their slave until the corporation goes down. You can get out of all their contracts if you want to pay thousands of dollars, wait 10 to 15 years, and then have no guarantee that all the judges will accept it. You will either have to bow down to a slave master or get into the covering of Yahweh, creator of the laws of nature, and he owns the universe. There is nothing that happens in this universe. He owns the universe. It's like a train set that he put together. He created it, and he is the only one that can operate within its laws. We are counting our blessings every day. We need help so we can help the American people. We need two major things from people. We need a militia that will bind together and serve the people of America, defend them, and uphold and support the Constitution and the Bill of Rights for each American. And then we need the church. And I don't mean just a denomination or denominations. I mean the people of the church because the people are the church. We need to have as many Bible believing, God worshiping, Bible teaching and truth seeking men and women to take up the truth and start marching alongside us. And we can take our nation back before Biden completely destroys it. If you will not do it, then who will? You can no longer wait for the next guy and see if he stands up to do it. What is faith? Faith for our republic was when we had the first phone call on September 23rd, 2010. Then we met in Utah and Congress wrote to DSI and then signed it in 2014 and distributed it to the known world so everybody knew who we were under international law. Then came the years 2011 to 2017, where we had three attempts to destroy us from within, where we that are here tonight stood tall and we held our ground. We believed in our God. We believed in the blood of Yeshua, and we spoke his word, Through the worst times, and yet, He never failed us. We never failed our oath. We stood tall, tall, strong in our belief that God would help us and give us what we needed, still acting on our belief. But then now today, we have the confidence that He hears us, that He will do and give us what our petitions that we ask for. He has sent us through so far. Why would he stop now? This is our action that is based upon a belief that is sustained through your confidence. Yet with the present administration and all that's going on that wants to destroy everything, it takes 99.9% courage to live like this day in, day out. We don't need those who will say, well, it's not going to work. We need those who will get it done. We don't need those who slam other races because you hate the Jews. If you hate the Jews, then you hate the Messiah because he was a Jew. He was from the tribe of Judah. Therefore, if you are one of those, you need to take your hating spirit and go somewhere else. We don't need you. We can't afford you because all you do is bring destruction to whatever it is somebody is trying to build. The prophets warned of old those kind of people. And they didn't listen. And those kind of people wound up getting destroyed. If you use doubt, then you're not using faith. We need those who will operate in biblical faith. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a a Harvard graduate. You just need to have the heart of the Lord, the heart of his word and the willingness to go forth and execute that word. Doubt is the enemy of everything we stand for. So what we have learned to do is to doubt our doubt. Once we doubted our doubt, our doubt has been doubted, and therefore it can't doubt anymore. This republic is built on faith through his holy scriptures and the power and authority that it gives us. Nothing else matters except what's in store for the people. We are not about ruling over people. We are all about the people ruling over themselves. We love our nation as it was before 1861. And we love that the founders were doing what they did. But today we have people like Brittany Grinder, who sat on the sidelines during the national anthem, raised her fist, wearing shirts that said Black Lives Matter, who we know to be a destructive force. She wanted socialism. She said socialism is the greatest thing for America. Then she tried to push drugs into Russia to go there and play basketball. And Now she's sitting in a socialist nation in their prison. Well, Brittany, you wanted socialism? You got it. Happy eight years. This is why we always must speak the word of God. We must speak it in our own lives as well as others and we need to speak it in truth and in harmony for heaven to operate on our behalf. This is what we have done. We have operated in a biblical faith. It is where we are today. We serve the people. We have the heart of the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all we want to do is bring this republic back so the people of this nation can live in harmony and in peace without demonstration, without insurrections, without hate, violence, and death. That is not a republic. That is hell. David, would you please tell the people the dates and how many years it took for the founding fathers to come between signing the Declaration of Independence to the signing and authorization of the states for the Constitution for the United States? The floor is yours, David. Thank you, Justice Waters. Tremendous presentation again, as always. I know 1787 on September 17th, the Constitution, a couple of years later, it was ratified 1789. But the Bill of Rights, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was finished on December 15th, 15 years after the Declaration of Independence, uh 1791. Uh So 15 years later. 1791, the Bill of Rights came out on December 15th. Um, Is is that kind of like what you're looking for? Yes, David, let me ask you a question. Okay. You've been in this for a while. Have you noticed that we have done parallel things to what the founding fathers had to go through, that what they did, we had to go through as well? Have you noticed that? Yes sir, yes sir, and, and I wanna, I wanna say this, and, and my world has been turned kind of upside down, or it's been in, uh, a scattering, because of a book. Walter Marshall wrote a book, and it was, it was published in 1692, and it was called The Sanctification Highway of Holiness, And to live by faith, this is taken too lightly, especially in today. The kingdom, when you come into the kingdom of God, when you receive Christ, your way of living is only by faith. If, if you go to, if you go to this book, there's an excerpt from this book. He says, Walter Marshall says, your way to a holy practice is first to conquer and expel all unbelieving thoughts by trusting confidently on Christ and persuading yourself by faith that His righteousness, Spirit, glory, and all His spiritual benefits are yours and that He dwelleth in you and you in Him in the might of this confidence. You shall go forth to the performance of the law and you will be strong against sin and Satan, and be able to do all things through Christ that strengthens you. And this confident persuasion is of great necessity to the right framing and disposing our hearts to walk according to our new state in Christ. Listen, the life of faith principally consists of in it, and herein it eminently appears that faith is a hand not only to receive. But also, to work by him, and that it cannot be effectual for our sanctification, except it contain in it some assurance of our interest in Christ, as hath been shown. Thus we act as those that, as those that are above the sphere of nature, advance to union and fellowship with Christ. Now, taking this one step further. You go to Galatians chapter three, it will say in there, the just shall live by faith. They worship by faith as Abel. They walk by faith as Enoch. They work by faith as Noah. They live by faith as Abraham. They govern by faith as Moses. They followed by faith as Israel. And they fought by faith as Joshua, and they conquered by faith as Gideon, and they subdued kingdoms by faith as David, and they closed the mouths of lions by faith as Daniel, and they walked through fire by faith as the three Hebrew children, and they suffered by faith as Paul, and they died by faith as Stephen, the first Christian martyr. By faith they were patient in suffering, Courageous in battle, made strong out of weakness, and were victorious in defeat. They were more than conquerors by faith, looking unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith. The faith, the faith of the saints, inspired us, but we look to Jesus. This is this is this. You can't take faith lightly. The only way that the republic can stand is by faith. The only way that the Christian, the believer, is to function is by faith. if we go to go to Hebrews chapter eleven, at least verse six, you cannot please God unless you walk by faith, so the just shall live by faith. I yield the floor back to you, Justice Waters. Thank you for giving me this time, yes, sir, you know everybody. This republic from the very beginning in 2010, from Utah on, has endured the same thing, almost on the same timeline as what our founding fathers endured. And the reason I asked David to do that is because originally there was a 10-year plan. And things happened during that 10-year period Where it kind of like delayed it. It may have delayed uh, a couple of things here and there to where we are now in our 12th year. We're almost at the end of our 12th year, going into our 13th year. If the Founding Fathers took 15 years to go from the signing of the Declaration of Independence to the standing of the Republic through the biblical constitution, then what we are looking at is a 15-year period from the signing of our DSI to the standing up of the republic because of the people of this nation, because the power of God is being exerted through faith. And I don't care what anybody does, I don't care what any sitting president may say, the power of the Bible, the power of the spirit of the person who is living the Bible and living with the blood of the, of the Messiah
2: over him
0: will stand this thing up and we will take our nation back. No matter how it is done, we will take our nation back. Can
3: I interject Don't here? Don't ever I...
0: forget the idea that our founding fathers didn't just walk into a room, somebody gave them the keys and often they they ran. No, they had to take it. That meant somebody had to pick up a weapon and go take it from the British. If you think for one minute, Hillary Clinton is going to turn the keys over to President Geiger. you got another thing coming. We're going to have to take it eventually. Faith is in every aspect. But here's what we are asking and pleading for tonight, people. We need the pastors of these churches in America to quit arguing. To quit bickering. Your denomination doesn't mean a thing in heaven. What means something is whether or not you are covered by the blood of Yeshua. Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? If you are, then you are a body member of Christ. And we need you in our republic. You used to sing a song, the battle hymn of the republic. That's us, folks. That's who we are. And if you want to sit in your churches and sing that song, then are you going to stand up one day and actually do it? Or just wait for somebody else? That's my question. We need you, pastors. We need you to go forth and tell your congregation, God's got an answer. The answer is right in front of you. All we need is for you, the people, to back us, to be a part of us, to join up with us. Because when they, the enemy, see thousands every day coming on board with the republic, they will start hitting the jets and taking off to other countries. Believe me, that will be their first step because they will not want to look at prosecution down the road. They'll go live in China. They'll go live in Russia. They'll feel protected there. We will never let them back. We follow the laws of the Bible. And if you haven't read the Old Testament lately, well, it ain't pretty if you're an enemy of God. If you are on God's side in the Old Testament, you saw miracle after miracle, healing after healing. You saw all kind of neat things take place for you.
3: Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. The people that I speak to of the church, from the churches around the country, you know, we're in the end times. That's what I've been told by pastors and have talked to me. And that these, these are the end times, and it's all going downhill. This is not you know, evolution, it's devolution. And basically, yeah, if the people are to repent and turn, you know, turn away from their wicked ways, yeah, God will heal the land. But at the current, but at the times that we live today, it's going down, you know, uh, prepare for the rapture, they say, prepare to be raptured out of here, prepare, you know, that, that, look, You know, it's all lining up. Prophecy is being fulfilled before our very eyes. Prophetic writings and teachings of the Bible are being fulfilled. And you can't stop prophecy unless there's some sort of leader that's going to rise up or some group that's going to rise up and start waking up the masses and coming together to show and lead by example, then the people are lost and prepare, yeah, prepare for something big, prepare for the rapture. And, and that's what I've been told by, I don't know who's on tonight, that can maybe clarify the rapture, maybe. I know there's some discussion about that. Um, I spoke to some people within the Republic about that also. You know, so the teachings of this, uh, doctrine. And that this is the you know, and that the King James Bible is the uh, is the seventh translation uh, of the of the Word of God, and that's the true Word of God that has been preserved for all of us to study and read. And if nobody believes that that God God can preserve His Word, then what kind of God do you have? You know, put Him in a paper bag and he can't get out. You know, so therefore, so I don't know if anybody can maybe can clarify this, expound upon this or maybe their take on the end times and where the where does America stand in the end times maybe if there's some pastor I know I invited a couple of few on here
0: first of all everybody we believe the holy scriptures that does not mean the modern day translation that means the original writing the Hebrew if you want to get down to the nitty gritty of God's Word, you gotta study the Hebrew. Second of all, just because things are going downhill, and I know, I've studied prophecy for over 50 years. Way back in the, my Marine Corps days, my job was a anti-tank man. I was to blow up Russian tanks. The war with Russia really interested me in Ezekiel 38, 39. But even though things are going downhill and it looks like that the, the prophecies and they are being fulfilled daily does not mean we don't continue to do what the word tells us to do. We, the believers, need to band together. We need to come together, not drift apart, come together. And we need to live together together communicate together, bind together. This is what we are supposed to do. That way we are a force. Yes, there's going to be a system of the Antichrist. Yes, there's going to be a false prophet. But the Bible never says he conquers the entire world. There are pockets of resistance. That's for white horse. He was given a bow and a crown. He was never given arrows. He went forth conquering and to conquer. But it never says he conquered.
3: Well, wait a second, that, resistance, conquered that resistance was that resistance during the tribulation or the trip the tribulation or, uh, that's, it,
0: uh, that's just, just before the three and a half year Great Tribulation, yeah. Seven years only forty two months.
3: The, the, well, it's a seven-year seven trip.
0: Years, but, it's only forty-two months.
3: What do you mean it's only forty-two months? I don't understand. I don't it's get only that,
0: forty-two but, months. The Bible Daniel tells you times, time, and the dividing of time. Revelation tells you flat out forty-two months from the so, times so, that that the seven seal and the trumpets begin to blow. From that point onward, to the return is forty-two months.
3: That's so I I, I was always been taught it was a seven year trip. That's why oh, I know. The that's
0: step- the sensationalism. That's the okay. Darbyism. That's the All right, hang on
3: I got I got I got, I got a uh, someone from the church on now to here. Go ahead, uh, let me connect you. Go ahead. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, go ahead there. Give us some doctrinal expertise, please.
1: <laughs> go good ahead. evening, gentlemen. I've been quietly listening. Hey you know, Dorothy. I'm good, show. Thank you. I was on a, a while back. And here's what I, you know, I'm a good Baptist. Praise the Lord, Paseyama, okay? Uh, you know, Bunker Hill, which wasn't fought on Bunker Hill. But anyway, uh preaching from the pulpit, sound doctrine, Bible belief. Amen. Anything that's done outside of faith is sin. That's what the Bible says. So we have to have faith, whatever we do. But this is what I believe about the nation. I believe the Bible and the prophecies are correct. Everything goes down. But, as I said before on this program, Josiah was a boy king. The Old Testament was written as an end sample for us. The end sample is not an example. An example of Coca-Cola is Pepsi. An end sample is a taste of Coca-Cola. So it's the real thing. And so God has given us the Old Testament as an end sample for us to learn from. And Josiah, the boy king, found that was brought the book of the law as they were rebuilding the temple. And he read it. And he realized that the nation was going the wrong way against God. And the people repented. And they got back under the law. But prior to that, they were told they were going to Babylon. And no matter what, they're going there for 70 years. But because Josiah repented and the nation repented, God gave them a reprieve and didn't send them to Babylon until after Josiah died. So the United States of America has an opportunity for a reprieve from God. To get off the path we're going, on, get off the satanic trail we've been following, and to get back on the path of the Word, sound doctrine, and Scripture, and that's the Bible. And to say, and I, and I'm sorry to to uh, uh, oppose what you're saying about the Hebrew and the Scriptures. Psalm twelve, six and seven sets forth the doctrine that God has preserved His Word, not the Lachman Foundation, not Nestle's text. God has preserved his word. It is tried seven times in a furnace of fire. It is purified. And when you get to the second verse, it says, Thou will keep them, the word of God. And if you own a perverse Bible, anything other than a King James, they changed that word them, the word of God that's perverse, to us. And the reason why they changed it was to destroy the preservation of the word of God so that you could believe that there is no inspired translation except only in the original. And by the way, Paul was speaking Hebrew, but we have it re- we have it translated in Greek. Jeremiah's scripture was written and thrown into the hearth, and it was rewritten. And there's inspiration a second time. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. There's five thousand four hundred twenty manuscripts. The earliest of its time is is the uh, Ryland Papyrus, which is fifty years to the original. It's a piece of John, and then after that you get into all oh, about ninety, hundred years. And, you know, you look at Pliny Secundus, Homer's Odyssey, the Gaelic Wars, Roman history, all those books, and none of them are within the uh, 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 50 to 100 years. They're all within 1,300 to 1,400 years and, and above, and none of them, and they're copies of copies. So there is more manuscript evidence for the, for the Bible than there is for any of these other secular materials. And so there is a doctrine of the preservation of the word of God. It's founded in Psalms 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. Isaiah believed it. Jesus spoke of it. Matthew said it, that God's word is preserved forever. In the book mm-hmm. of Peter, Peter says that he was on the mount with, with the, up there, and he saw the translation of Jesus Christ. He says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that's the word of God, the written word, you see. And so a vision can be given to anybody. And that's what Peter said. Hey, we were there. We saw Christ translated. We, we saw Elijah and Moses with him on the mount. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. And that's the word of God. That's scripture. And if we don't have anything, if we're saying that we don't have scripture and God hasn't preserved his word, then all we're saying is we have something like scripture. And at one time there was scripture and it was inspired. But now we have something that's similar to it. No, that's not what the Bible teaches in Psalm 12, 6, and 7. It teaches that God has preserved his word and it's his responsibility and he's put it in English there are seven world languages to the English translation and there are seven steps from Tyndale all the way up not counting Wycliffe because Wycliffe used uh, Jerome's uh, Vulgate which was corrupt and there are seven steps to the translations of the King James and when you look at the seven churches and you, you do them time period wise and you look at the seven churches, the church of the open door, which is Philadelphia, had preserved their word, which is about, which would be about sixteen eleven. And so I, I beg to differ on that. But you know, like Joe said, here there's the questions about rapture. There's the questions about uh, what time. Listen, well, nobody's told in this Bible that that when the rapture is going to occur, and nobody said in the Bible, uh, Lord, and he said, watch and know the season and the times. And so uh, our goal isn't, isn't the rapture great if they come our goal is to serve the lord to win souls to jesus christ to build the exactly. kingdom of god to stand on faith to stand on the firm foundation of the word of god because if we if we can't get back to that old path preaching and listen i've been around this country i've traveled from like, uh, san diego to connecticut 42 times in the last nine years and by the way i drive <laughs> And I've stopped in a whole lot of churches around this country. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of preachers who went. They weren't sent. They're not preaching the same Jesus you and I are preaching. They have the name Jesus. They have somebody that sounds like Jesus, and they use the same words you and I are using. But they got a different Jesus. They're not even standing on faith. And 95% of these churches are teaching their people that they were sinners saved by grace. And no, we are sinners saved by grace and when you get into these churches that's the first line to fall down in these churches and then you fall into the contemporary music psalms hymns and spiritual songs are thrown out the door but we need to get back to the scriptures and back to the base i had to put an ad i had bible believers baptist church in imperial beach california i pastored for five years and uh miles mcpherson from the san diego Chargers got the rock mm-hmm. church out there. And you know, you can, you, you can go in any section you want. They got country, they got rock, they got blues, they got rap and they got Starbucks. And then the other churches are, got Dunkin' Donuts, coffee. And I put an ad in the paper out there that if I believe Baptist Church, no donuts, no coffee, no Starbucks, just old path preaching the way God intended the word to be preached. And I'll tell you what, this is what the country needs to do. And this is what individual Christians need to do. You need to get your heart right first. And then you need to pray that God would get your brother's hearts right first, next. And then you need to get out there. You need to win some souls to Jesus Christ. And we need to stand for the Lord. We need to stand not what's for right and for what's wrong. A child knows to put his hand on a fire on the stove is wrong. That's not good and evil. We need to discern good and evil. We've got an evil government right now. We have a satanic-run government. And this government, you have a president that would put his hand on the Bible, and swear on the Bible to uphold the Constitution of the United States and allow millions of babies to be qu- killed, allow queers to be married, and want to stand up now. They want to pass laws to protect them. And this is outside the word of God. And any kind of man, you see, the problem is they're teaching in our churches that God is love. Hey, listen, two men loving each other is not God. God is love. Love is not God. And it's time for Christians to get pull your bootstraps up And take a stand. You're called to be a soldier for Jesus Christ, a soldier for Christ first, and a soldier for your family, and a soldier to uphold what you believe is correct. And God chose Israel as a nation, and we are the only nation in the world that chose Jesus Christ and the moral standards of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Bible, the scriptures, the holy scriptures, to be the foundation of our nation, which is built into the Constitution of the United States. And it's about time Christians get educated to it, woke up to it. Dartmouth, uh, Yale, listen, they're the Ivy League. They're not the same vine. We come from a different vine. At one time, it was schools of divinity, and they taught, and they required men to go to chapel, and they taught the Constitution, and they taught Bible reading. These things have turned now. The devil has got in there. He's already turned those things. We are suffering from a generation that is godless. A generation where they're teaching our children that you grew up, you evolved from flying, and you came out of the ground, and when you die, you go back to the ground. And so you came from an animal, you are an animal, so when you're in the street killing like an animal, it's okay, because you have no hope anyway. That's what they taught our children. That's because the Christians didn't stand up. That's because we let them take the Bible out of the schools. That's because we allowed them to take down the Ten Commandments from our courtrooms and from our government buildings. And because they can't understand separation of church and state, and all that means is that the state doesn't run the church. It doesn't mean that Christians aren't in the government. And so we need an awakening in the country, and yes, we're preaching. I preach it in my church. Dr. Massa preaches in Stanford, Connecticut, Landmark Baptist Church. You can go down to uh, Pine Forest Baptist Church in Pensacola. You'll find Pastor Richard Godenas down there. You'll find Angel Vast Pleasant Bible Believers Baptist Church. we got preachers out there that are preaching it. We're preaching and we're 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 not educating, we're edifying. And education only lasts in this world, and edification will last through all eternity. So I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak here. And uh, you know, we can differ on a whole lot of things. We can differ on on the manner of our salvation, we can differ on the ordinances of the church, uh, but we sure we can say, you know, we can differ on when we believe the rapture is gonna happen and when we don't, whether it's seven years or, or forty two months, and you know, I can break that down to you to five five thousand. 220 years, it was uh, uh, Sir Robert Anderson that used the astronomical charts uh, and came up with the year 483. In the year 483, Christ comes through into Jerusalem. And uh, that's mm-hmm. when they, you know, yelling Hosanna, Hosanna. And so uh, that's uh, 483 and, uh, uh, years, seven years or left. You know, when you look at uh, Leah and uh, Rachel and uh, uh, what uh, he, Isaac goes out there to, uh, to get his wife, or Jacob, rather, goes out to get the wife, and they tell him you have to work one more week, and you find the biblical interpretation of that week is seven years because he worked for seven more years. <laughs> and so you have to, you know, all that ties in. And we don't have that time, and I'm not trying to take command of your... Probe, your, your, No, your but i got probe. a question
3: for you, uh, uh, Dr. Winter. Pro- now, he also called upon the militias of this country also. And, of course, now we know they're divided. And, of course, you know, of course, I that we hear this ridicule of always we we not I brought it up also with the churches attacking each other, the militias attacking each other, we as Americans attack each other, like you said, arguing over silly things or even being cruel sometimes, for instance, you know uh for instance, like you know we 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 do good programs and the devil comes in and attacks us like these people with the Jew, they say Jesus was a racist uh you know uh. Uh, he wasn't uh, a Jewish, um, you know. So with, these are big things and big issues that are dividing. And you see, like well, you just said it yourself about the Israel. A lot of people are opposing it, the land of Israel or opposing the uh, real Jew, and they're disinseminating the, or not uh, correlating the fact that there is different types of Jews out there. People that call themselves Jews but are not Jews. You know. So uh, it, we've had this. Discussion a thousand times you know uh this message these people out there that 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 just don't or even the ones that criticize me you know or tear me apart and rip my character apart you know uh and they all, one more thing they also brought Uh, down a woman they said there was a thing there was a woman that comes on this program uh uh, sandy and they attacked her the other night um uh, saying that she was the epitome of the destruction of family because she should not have been in the military women should not be in the military she should be at home with the family so therefore we shouldn't be putting her up on a pedestal you know stuff like that things like that that bother people and it creates division and i for one uh, respect sandy and i I think she's a great woman and a great role model um you know her choice to go in the air force and her rank she you know did and 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 the unfortunate thing of her being fired because of the jab and you know and she's been a hero in my eyes but but these people that that are doing these types of things you know what what could you say to or or maybe you know give a scriptural advice or as a pastor because that's what the pastor's job is basically is to you know, counsel people. People should go to their pastors, and, and and like you say, submit their submit to the authority of the pastor. And but the problem is we have so many so much corruption. But take it from there.
1: Well, I what you're bringing is a dynamic question, and uh, it's something that I'm confronted with often. Okay, and and you know, my wife was 20 year Navy, and then she worked for another 10 years helping the vets get their benefits. She's been an honor guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. We go there once a year with their military organization to present wreaths until Obama threw us out of there, and now we're at the Argonne Cross, of course. But uh, uh, women in the military, let's, you know, cut it out. What, what's, the go- what's the goal here? The goal here is to walk Christ-like. The goal is is for us to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife fought and has 100% mostly disabled PTSD. She fought for our nation and for the people of our nation because she loved Jesus Christ and the love of God compelled her through compassion to stand up for the Constitution and our freedoms that we enjoy, that God has blessed us with. So, you know, when people say things like that, usually it's a narrow-mindedness. You know, and the other groups that want to pick on Jews and that, I heard them quote uh, on your program and other programs, they go on and they quote the scripture from the book of Revelation where it says, that, that they were of the synagogue of the Jews, well they claimed to be Jews, they were not Jews, okay, number one, number two uh, uh the other problem is that uh, you know it, it's it's a lack of of scriptural knowledge and a lack of discernment and a lack of of the love of Christ. when you love God, we don't look at people in their color that that's your your. i don't go to the supermarket and buy and get a they can say, did this come from a black cow or a white cow? I eat the darn thing. Okay. And so the same thing with Jesus. He didn't come to save skins. He came to save souls. Okay. And so that's, that's the proper teaching. And the, and the edification of the people is that you can't, you'll never, you're, you know, the, the Pharisees were divided. The Sadducees were Sadducee because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And there's always going to be, uh, sex. But when it comes to hate and when it comes to that type of thing, listen, God hates sin and there are things that God hates, but they don't understand what the word hate means. They think the word hate means to destroy something, and really hate is a disdain for it, okay? A dislike, extreme dislike. And so there are things that God doesn't like. The Bible tells you in Proverbs, you know, a proud look, those that shed innocent blood, okay? And so when you're dealing with these people, you you, you have to uh, understand that they have a, a knowledge of the love of Christ, and, and you're dealing with people that, Eighty-five percent claim to be saved and really aren't, or or have never been truly uh, uh, edified and taught in the scriptures about the love of Christ. You know, the Bible says for the elderly women that teach the younger how to love their husbands. Well, why is that? It's because an elderly woman knows how a holy elderly woman knows how to love her husband because she's submitted to her husband, not as a slave. Okay, and so when you got guys on there, I tell the guys, uh, you know, and I've got a prison ministry. I've got thirty-eight guys studying for. Uh, associate's degrees in theology right now that I've, you know, I've got 164 hours on CDs and that's all they can receive in the prison. And and so what I tell them is this, you're going to run this race. Every one of us is in this race. We're like horses lined up at the gate. You got your blinders on, you're not going to see the horse next to you. Just keep running. What's the goal? Jesus Christ, stay on the path, stay on the old path and just keep running. You and I are not going to solve it. You have to dismiss those people. You have to dismiss the racists. You have to dismiss the haters. You have to dismiss the whoremongers. And you just have to keep pushing forward. Leave them in God's hands and just move forward. You're not going to change their mind. Only the Holy Spirit can. You can plant the word. One man waters, another man, you know, one man plants, another man waters, and God gives the increase. And so you go out, you bring the word to them. And, and listen, when a man rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, his heart gets heart and the more he rejects it, the harder his heart gets. It's as simple as that. And so we're not going to solve the secular world's problem without the intervention of God. And so God Almighty, the man that was on here just speaking and preaching earlier, said the right thing. He said it's correct. We do nothing without the power of God involved. We can do nothing. We can get to that place. We can bring it as far as we can. Okay, just like Moses did. He got to the Red Sea. And then what happened? Once he got there, he could not open the sea himself. The people behind him were still murmuring. They were even his followers. And yet they were still sniveling after all the miracles. And there he Moses is standing at the Red Sea. He's done all he could do. And then God intervened. And God intervened. And this this movement to restore the republic, it must be founded upon the word of God. It must be founded upon the belief that the faithful in God are praying and that they've got their hearts right, that God is going to intervene. And I truly believe that God will intervene. And God will raise up the person that that is supposed to be there if he has not already raised them. And the people will know because my sheep hear my voice. And when you hear the voice of God through a preacher or through a man of God, you know because you have the Holy Spirit. When they bring those sheep to the well to to water them, there's a whole lot of uh, uh, shepherds there. And there's a whole lot of sheep. But when that sheep calls, his sheep alone come, not all the other sheep. My sheep know my voice, and we know the voice of God. And so when you get around those people who are not of God, they didn't receive Christ, what makes you think they're going to receive you? Stand your ground, hold your faith, pray, and trust God in them. Pray for those who are leading. Pray for those who are are guiding this movement, and pray that God protect them, because they have enemies, like you and I. And and it's not just the devil. Listen, a man who's saved has got the first problem is he's the en- he's become the enemy of Satan. The second problem is he's got his own flesh to deal with. That's another enemy he's dealing with. And then he's dealing with the world because the world is against him. And so we need to pray for these men. We need to pray for these leaders. We need to pray for the men that God has brought forth and given the wisdom to begin this thing and to follow it through. I hope that
3: helps. Yeah. Come up. yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody yeah. else? Re- yeah, go ahead.
0: I just want to say something real quick. I like this guy.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, but we call put it out there. We got to have the church involved with the republic, you know, and uh, you know, and or the people and or the people involved in the church or the republic involved with the church.
1: Well, I like you guys, and I and I think (laughs) the founding father's fathers
2: probably grinning right now. Thank you, Dr. Forcher. It's a pleasure to, to hear uh, you sharing your wisdom and your insight. You know we all just have to set our heart, and uh, we know that uh, Jesus Christ and our Father God, well well, turn this. as Justice Waters talked earlier, it's it really is about, about faith. I've, I've been uh, living in faith throughout my life, and I like some of the statements you said that we're all we're fighting our flesh, we're fighting the world, you know, we're fighting the devil. We all just need to set our heart and continue to move forward. I
1: think, Joe, we need to keep the armor of God on. I think the problem is is that people only put the armor of God on when they go to church. And then they take mm-hmm. it off and they get And now they drop that armor of God. And we need to keep that armor of God on 24-7, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We need to be able to, to quench the fiery darts that are being thrown at us. But all the doubts, you know, discouragement, and I'm sure you've all heard it before, it's the sharpest tool in the devil's shed discouragement and that's what he wants to do he wants to discourage the people from the movement he wants to discourage people by telling them that you it's not going anywhere nothing's happening all you're hearing is rhetoric over and over the same rhetoric and in a sense you know what we have heard a lot over and over again but sometimes you know that's how we learn the bible says line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little and as long as they keep coming back they're going to and sooner or later it's either going to be with it or they're going to depart. You know, they came out from among us because they were not of us. It's as simple as that. But if God's in it, he's going to move the right people in the right places. Back when they built the uh, tabernacle, God called those people to wrought the gold. Those men never even had done any artwork in gold, yet God said he would give them the wisdom to do it, and they did it. It didn't come from anybody teaching them the skills but God. And so God would when God raised his people up, he gives him the skill. When he calls a man a pastor, he gives him the gift to pastor. When he calls him to be an evangelist, he gives him the gift to be an evangelist. When he calls Gideon, Gideon gets up. When he calls David, David got up. And you know what? God, God has a plan. And so we need to submit and to call upon the Lord. And God will, God will work this out. But it, it, listen, and it doesn't, it doesn't, listen, it doesn't require millions of people. What it requires is faithful people. And because Elijah was a faithful man, he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. One prayer, one man. So think what we could do as brethren in Christ, join together in a a solid, holy stand on the Word of God for what's good and not evil. Don't ever think that God's not hearing
4: our voice.
0: The 501c3, it started going back to 1954, and it was because of Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was a... High-degree mason. Because of him, the domino effect happened, 501c3, all churches were tax-exempt. But people have embraced the 501c3 all of these years because of a Freemason, okay? Lyman Beecher, the father of Harriet Beecher, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cameron, he said this in the Spirit of the Pilgrims in 1831. The government of God is the only government which will hold society against depravity within and temptation without. And this it must do by the force of its own law written upon the heart. This is that unity of spirit and that bond of peace which can alone perpetuate national purity and tranquility. That law of universal and impartial love by which alone nations can be kept back from ruin. There is no safety for republic. But, listen to me now, but, he said it this, but in self-government, under the influence of a holy heart, swayed by the government of God. I'm almost done. When Vinny, the leader of the Second Great Awakening, he said this, he said the church, this is coming against 501c3, the church must take right ground in regards to politics. The time has come for Christians to vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics, or the Lord will curse them. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country, which we love and pray for, unless the church will take right ground. Politics are part of religion in such a country as this, and Christians must do their duty to their country as part of their duty to God. Listen to me now. This is what Finney said. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in regards to politics. You in the church, all of you clergy, you have a beautiful marriage ready to take place. You have a government, a republic. If you go back to 1776, they built a republic on Christianity without Christianity. You can't have virtue, and without virtue, you can't have religious liberty or civil liberty, okay? So what we need, we need to come away from 501c3, and we need to embrace what's said, what the scriptures are saying. This is a marriage between the church, the, people, the believers of God, the clergy across this land from Los Angeles to New York to embrace the republic which was based on Christianity in 1776. Bring it back. Walk away okay, from Okay, okay, yeah, away. David.
3: Okay, yeah, I know. But so what are you saying, though, about the 501c3? I mean, because I know Dr. I'm, Ventura and I have had I'm, conversations.
0: Well, I'm saying, oh, don't talk about politics in this church. Oh, no, we don't want to talk about politics in this church. No, no, no. We don't talk about any candidates that are running for Senate for Representatives or Chris. We don't talk about any candidates here. Keep your mouth shut. We, this is what happened we, with LBJ. We now, we, <laughs> we forget the 501c3 and embrace the republic.
1: We do. We, we we preach whatever we want in our church. We don't care what anybody says. Hey, you don't like it? The highway runs too late. You want to put us in jail? We'll have a great prison ministry. Hey, how about that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. Here's the problem with it. Okay? First of all, uh, if I want to get married in the state, i got to have a license. Okay? Now, do I get the license or do I not? Well, that depends. Now I'm jammed up because I can't get certain rights and certain credits and I can't do certain things. So now I'm limited, but I'm going to follow the word of God. And so I'm not going to get a license. Well, do I have to wear a seatbelt? Well, now I'm arrested and I'm fighting this thing from prison. Okay, so you have to choose to pick your battles in the right place. Now, you say 501c3s. In this state and in California, if I want to have a church and I want to have a building, I got to be registered with the state. And if I'm not, they'll come in and shut me down. I had a church in my house. They came and shut me down. I had a church outside in my carport. I had 10 pews that I picked up from the oldest church in California, in Rwanda, and I was there. The city came in and shut me down. So now I'm sitting there. I can't have a, I can't have a church at my house. Where Where are we going to meet? I need a building. I need a place for the children. I need a safe place for everybody. So now i got to go down. i got to file as a nonprofit. So I go to the state, and I get a nonprofit license okay, under the state of California. Well, under Title uh, 1829, the IRS code, it says I'm automatic, gave me a 501c. I didn't even have to file a paper. I automatically qualified. Now I have to, the only thing that the difference is that I didn't get a letter stating it. And most people don't, you know, most people pay the $800 and get the letter so that a large donor, they can, you know, get their tax deduction, you see. So the problem, so that's our problem, number one. So, uh, we we you know in our church I preach what I want to preach I preach what God tells me to preach and nothing else and if God tells me to preach that Joe Biden's a, a you know a low life and an and, and evil person and which he is and uh, Schumer I'm a preacher from the pulpit they want to come in and shut me down and come on in and shut me down I'll find another building another church another place another city another town if I have to but that 501c then yeah you're right it it restricts you from saying things about politicians and things like that and and you know what Hey, listen, all these guys that think they're sliding by that stuff that have a corporation or church incorporated in in a state, they're automatically 501c3, whether they want it to be or not. So they didn't escape it in case anybody was wondering. But I I don't care what the government thinks. I'm going to preach what God tells me to preach. That's the pastor and preacher that I am. And it doesn't matter whether whether I, you know, yeah, I got a license from the state of Connecticut to, to own a building, to rent a building, and to have a church, and I'm registered out here. I have to be. Otherwise, I don't have a building or a church uh, unless I have it in my house. And then they'll come and raid my house and tell me to get out of my house. Okay. So, uh, you know, and you say to yourself, what's the lesser of the two evils? Well, listen, I'm able to get the gospel message out, and I'm preaching what the Lord tells me to preach. And it doesn't matter what that license says, and it doesn't matter any of that. It matters to them, but it doesn't matter to me. I'm a man of God, and I'm going to stand on the word of God.
2: David. Amen.
0: Hey, Pastor, first of all, I served in the Marines and the Navy my my life.
1: Thank so you for your service. So do me a
0: favor and, and tell your wife thank you for her service.
1: Well, thank uh, you. Free. I was in the Navy uh,
0: myself. Honor is due. We're honor, you know, we give honor to those that deserve it. And when you serve that long, you deserve honor. There's just no other way to put it.
3: Now, is this 501c3 thing is going to be a problem with the republic? I mean, because I, I know we, we've talked about that. There
0: will be no 501c3 that. in the we'll republic. republic. One fight. Hey, amen. There, amen. There will Absolutely. be none at all. There will be no yeah. IRS, so we won't have to worry about it. Yep. Amen. I mean, it's that simple. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, there right. will be a lot
4: of things in, in the republic that you see now. Um, but
3: my question was this, Roger. My question was this, though, is we have pastors that want to be a part of the, or support the Republic, but they are five hundred one c three churches, and I know everyone goes out there and they bash them or they say, "No, you should, you can't be, you can't be a five hundred one c three because you're serving okay. two gods." I mean, I see that's
0: what you're saying. Yeah. Right now, no, it's not a problem. I'm going to tell you why. All of us, in one way or another, we're living in this government. We have to have a driver's license. You gotta put your seatbelt on. You gotta pay your taxes. I mean, you do God no good dead, and you don't do him much good in prison unless you want a prison ministry. Okay? (laughs) So, other than that, uh, you have to follow their laws to operate, right? So no, in, right now, today, If a pastor is a 501c3, that doesn't make any difference with the understanding that once the republic is stood up, they don't have to be under that.
1: There there won't be any
0: IRS to force that on people. There won't be a Congress in D.C. to make laws to make you do that. Okay? Okay. That's the thing that pastors need to understand. We understand Right. right now you have to operate in that. I have to have What's a driver's a difference? license if I want to drive.
3: Okay, so, real I mean, quick you know, here. They're all there. Yeah, we got so no, that. Okay, that's so the, no, no problem. you make clear. You make clear on that. Okay, the driver's license thing and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, real quick, yeah. the, um, the real quick, the what's what's the difference between? I got a pastor here on the uh, instant message, message right now. He's from uh, New Mexico, actually. Um, uh, he's uh, said, asked the question. Well, what's the difference between the Republic and the Continental Congress and these other groups out there throughout the years that have stood up and said, "Hey, we are we are we're self governing. We, we're the full government we you know what what's what makes the di- the difference that the republic that the people should choose the republic or side with the republic you know uh yeah, he's got about 45 people at his church in his church there in New Mexico he's a baptist uh, he has a 501c3 too he says uh, so what's the difference here
0: the difference is very simple it's just one step we delivered paperwork under international law to the agencies around the world that we need to to deliver that to. No other group in America had ever done that. Now, they can claim that they've done this and done that, but they've not taken it to the Hague, they've not taken it to the UN, they've not taken it to the Joint Chiefs, and they've not taken it to the Postal Service. That's what we've done. So we're next in line to stand up for the government of this nation when the corporation goes down. So all these other groups, we want them on board. We're all fighting for the same goal, okay? But we have officially registered with uh, the Hague to let the world know we are here and we are waiting to take our spot. That's the
3: difference. All right. All right. Dr. Venturi, you wanted to say something?
1: Yeah, two things I wanted to say. And then I want to, the first thing I want to say is Jesus told them, you know, when he said, uh, you know, who do the children of this world pay taxes to? You know, and, and they turned around and they said, well, you know, Caesar. And he said, whose inscriptions on the coin? Caesar. We're sojourners. We're just passing through here. Okay, so give the Caesars what Caesar's. All right, in that sense. You know, everybody's paying taxes. There's no hiding in the bushes here. The other thing I wanted to say about, uh, what was just said, uh, and that's important, uh, about the restoration of, I think it would help if you could explain it briefly maybe I don't know if you can the difference what what most people don't understand there's the corporation and then there's the real republic and I don't think they understand that I don't think that 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 people get that when you say the corporate government they're not understanding that they don't even understand why they get their you know their mail with the capital letters so maybe you could expound and that would help that pastor
0: there you go well I'll tell you what, maybe next week we will go into that, because that takes a while to go through that. You just don't, in other words, that's not a
4: 30-second answer, you know? Right. No, um, but can
3: you, no. All right, well, can you give, like, maybe a brief, uh, as the best way a synopsis, yeah. or maybe Governor Henning yeah. or, or someone, maybe just outline it, maybe where, you know, where you can give, you know, a foundation to it?
5: This is Gene Hurtler. Could I interject there?
3: Okay, yeah, Gene, there you go. Gene is very well-versed in this, actually, very well-versed. Wrote two books, Reinhabited. so very good. Go ahead, Gene.
5: Thank you, sir. So we can make this real brief and just say that during the Civil War time, and and our enemy had infiltrated the American Republic and was trying to cause division. And we understand division in these modern days. That's how they do it. And they caused division in our country back in those days. And, and it came out in the Civil War. Well, during that time and in the Reconstruction era, which consists of part of the Civil War years and going be beyond that to 1877, because the Southern yeah. state representatives in Congress, uh, exited, they seceded, so to speak, uh, from, they seceded their state from the Union estate and then the representatives in Congress Left Congress, it left a void um, in those seats in Congress. It left a rump of Congress, it means there was not a full Congress, and so, according to the Constitution, Congress could not run fully. So, what President Lincoln had to do was operate out of the executive branch of the government, and that's what he did to keep the government going and to hold the Union of states together in that time. And there is every evidence that he intended to restore the republic government um, as the Civil War ended. But they murdered him before he was able to do that in law. And I'm talking about in law. So when the southern states, the slave power, and their congressional members from those southern states uh, so-called seceded, which lawfully they could not secede from... From the Union of States, and I won't get into that right now. But they could not; they left a void in Congress, left a rump Congress, and with a rump Congress, you can't pass laws. So Lincoln operated out of the executive branch, okay. and it was the executive government. And what what happened is when they murdered him, then they went forward while while uh, the United States was still in that mode, and it was a a series through 70 years where they transitioned it into a corporate democracy that went forward going through the Gilded Age, the the last sector of years in the 1800s, and then to the progressive era that began in 1890 going forward. They moved towards socialism. And uh, this was not the American Republic. The American Republic was put in dormancy in the Reconstruction era. They went forward with a different kind of government, with democracy. Dr. Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, a rock star type of founding father, said democracy is the devil's own government. And we see that today. We're experiencing the devil's government today. We need to restore the government. And in 2010, some brilliant men and women that worked, Joe, you were part of that in the Restore yep. American Plan. Uh, that went back even before 2009. There were, there were military that were, that were working with Patriot leaders out there. And they got a plan. Yep. Yes, sir. And, and even before that, and, I, and I have that from recently from, uh, a a, a a validated source that, that there's been a plan going for a very long time and very, um, uh, brilliant men and women have been behind this going back really even to the era of JFK. Okay. And, and I won't go down that alley, but I'll just say it's been a plan for a long time and it moved forward. And in 2010, in law, using the law of nations, which is international law, It's it's accepted, acknowledged all over, has been for a very long time, and they followed it. It was a miracle that notice was served on the organizations that Roger brought up, and that there is proof of service, and this was done on behalf of the American people. So it's not on behalf of a group. It's on behalf of the American people, so that when the Federal Reserve collapses, and then the corporate Uh, The corporation, democracy, collapses along with the the Federal Reserve. The U.N. cannot come on our soil. They can't take the assets of the American people, their bodies, their children, and their assets. They cannot do that because law has already been served on behalf of the American people that the republic has been taken out of dormancy in law and is working toward being restored. So that's the difference. That's the law. It's been done in law. There's proof of service. It's so if, the so if,
3: if, if these people did not do this in 2010 and this plan did not begin, if this was to happen, this is the problem with the banker bailout, and this is why they keep feeding each off of each other. If these people did not do that, who owns most of the land over here? China. Uh, uh-huh. The United States would be divided up amongst the world because if the Federal Reserve was yes. to collapse and the United States government collapsed because it's a de facto yes. corporation, and the corporation would be absorbed into the rest of the world. And then, the, and, yes. and then the, these countries would come over here and claim their assets, which would be us, our birth certificates. That's our, uh, right. it, Yes, but it can't do and that the, now. But, yeah. The
5: White Hats knew, the military knew back in those years that the corporation is insolvent. The Federal Reserve is insolvent. It was designed to collapse. It was designed for this point in time because the rulers of evil, the Luciferians, always believed that they were going to keep dominion. They were going to keep domination over the people. They look at us as useless eaters. They wanted to keep dominion, but they're us up. And this all goes into the Bible, and I I won't go down that alley right now. We've covered that pretty well, but it's prophetic. And so it's the people of God that need to stand this up because it was the people of God, the pilgrims and then Puritans that established the law form that germinated forward to the Declaration of Independence with the Founding Fathers, that is a covenant with the creator of the universe, the supreme judge of the of the land, divine providence, nature's God. It's always been about God's people. The book of Acts never finished. There's not a closing on the book of Acts. And if we want to find God in history, we just follow his people. And we can do that by following the pilgrims and their journey, which has not been taught since before the Second World War and really since the Progressive Era. They they took our true history that was taught for 300 years on this land and this nation, and it was taught from the pulpit, and it was taught in school. They took it out, and they replaced it, and they did it with the method of gradualism, with socialism. So us baby boomers, if you're born between 1946 and 1964, you're a baby boomer, you were not taught the truth, nor were our parents, and more than likely our grandparents weren't. My grandparents were all immigrants to this nation in the late 1800s to the early 1900s. They were not taught this. So, you know, the sins of the fathers, so our, wherever our founding fathers failed, And they knew they did. It's in their writings. It's in their words. They knew they failed. They weren't able to, because the slave power opposed them at every angle. They knew that judgment was going to come on the nation. And I can tell you for 300 years, the early Americans believed in the millennial reign of Christ. So Darby and Schofield in the late 1800s that were financed by Rothschild and the rapture theory and all of that, that did not come about until the end of that well, century. Well, hang
3: on now, uh, hang on. There's there's proof. Hang on, Gene. There's doctrinal doctrinal historical proof that, that that this doc that doctrine was taught before. Uh, the um 1850s and 1870s and 1890s and stuff, because that's what I see a lot of people say. That D- Joe, that wasn't taught in the early church days, and Doctor Ventura can testify that his studies through theological studies, and and we don't want to get into a a scriptural doctrinal argument, but you know because that mm-hmm. will divide us, and we're not going to seek our original goal here is with to win right. souls, because the most important thing right. to do is win people over to Christ, you know, uh but the uh, uh, Dr. Ventura, real quick, because I know we brought up the rapture theory, and the rapture can cause a huge argument. It's done it between me and Dr. Ventura many times, and no, other pastors, you have, and, you know... You, have, <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, you have dispensationalists yeah, in... I in would from have 15- to see
5: that history, but I'm okay. willing to listen so, to I'll it. I'll give
1: you some names. Uh, 1575, a man named William Dowd, uh was a P- uh Pierre Pierrot. 1646... Isaac Watts, sixteen seventy four, and you get into John Taylor and Norwich, sixteen ninety four, John Fleischer, seventeen twenty nine. So long before C.I. Schofield and Darby, John Nelson Darby, J.N. Darby, he doesn't come around until the eighteen hundreds. He was of the Plymouth Brethren, and you know, and he writes the pre and he wrote the preface for uh, excuse me the preface for uh, Schofield. But prior to him, there were many dispensationalists, and so you know, when you read Isaiah sixty one. And Jesus is quoting that, and he gets to that comma, and he doesn't quote the end of the verse. He doesn't quote the end of the verse because and, and, and because the 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 end time is stopped because the church age is inserted in there between that comma. There's two thousand years there when you study that out. If you study Luke four eight and what and what he's quoting at Isaiah, because he doesn't quote it all the way through. You see, and here's the other problem. They say there's no dispensationalism, but here's a clear example of dispensationalism. Okay, first of all, Galatians says if an angel comes preaching any other gospel, let him be cursed. That's what Paul said. If if even an angel came and preached anything other than the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. You get to Revelation chapter 14 and you find an angel preaching the everlasting gospel. It's not the same gospel. How come he's not cursed? He's not cursed because he's in a different dispensation. He's in the tribulation. He's not in the church age.
0: It, I, you know example.
5: what? I'm, <laughs> I'm open to looking at that, but I also see the, the scriptures about Isaiah fifty eight twelve, where rebuilding the old waste places, and Daniel two forty four, that in the days of these kings, that's, that's in the end times and last days, So the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And Daniel 7.18, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And Daniel 7.22, Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And Daniel 7.27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be, be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So we're looking at a millennium reign here.
1: You know, yes, we compare I mean,
5: the scriptures with the scriptures. The millennium,
1: the millennium reign is part of the dispensationalism. After the tribulation, you have a thousand year reign. There's no question Amen. about it.
5: Okay? Amen. So, and and, yeah, and so the you're, Republic you're right. is part of that because. It's a godly government. The Founding Fathers called it the model government. Why did they call it the model government? Because it was God's government, and they knew that, that the greatest was to be servants. They knew that they were to serve the other nations, to bring the gospel to the other nations, so that they could live in the jurisdiction of liberty also. So the American Republic has not only a national purpose, but a, a prophetic destiny.
3: Hang on a second. Now, that's where we can get into a little bit of a divide here. Now, what government is she talking about, Peter? Uh, wait, what is, she talk- is she talking about the republic? Or what can you can – because
5: you, Jean brings let, up let a great point. Let me answer point. that, Joe. Let, let me answer my your question on what I said. That's God's government. And John Adams even said it when he spoke on the government, his thoughts on government. Uh, there's a paper published on his thoughts on government. It's the divine science of God's government. That's what they were referring to. It's all over John Adams' writings. They knew, and even Samuel Adams talked about, after they voted on the Declaration of Independence around July 4th, they didn't sign it till like August 2nd. And he gave a speech on August 1st before the State House and he said, This day we have restored the sovereign to whom all men ought be obedient, and from the rising to the setting of the sun, let His Kingdom come. They knew that they were bringing God's government on the earth. That's why they called it the New World, and they wanted the old world to stay away. You know the the uh, Monroe Doctrine. Don't come in our hemisphere because they knew that this hemisphere was for the setting up of God's government, the jurisdiction of liberty. That's where liberty comes from. It's okay. God's Okay, okay, Doctor Ventura,
3: can you can you comment on that, please?
1: Well, it says the millennium reign, Jesus Christ is reigning from Jerusalem, from his throne. I know that, first of all, uh, one thing I would suggest that everybody read is the Seder Olam Rabbah. And after you read the Seder Olam Rabbah, you'll understand why the Jews missed what they missed and why they didn't receive Christ. And it's still taught in the synagogues today, okay? And so when you're talking about we are that government, I, I'm not finding that in the scriptures yeah we we have a place in that government i know that it says all nations come against israel and israel gets surrounded in the end time all nations but there are the sheep and the goat nations and there's a judgment and perhaps uh, uh we fit in that where we'll be the sheep nation and and in that judgment we we won't suffer because we haven't turned our back on israel at that point but who knows where we go you know we'll see where the republic is when we get there i guess
5: you know, D- Dr. Ventura, you know, in Galatians, it talks about that the old Jerusalem, it's referred to, Paul referred to old Jerusalem as, not Sarah, but I'm having a brain cramp here for a moment. The old Jerusalem rejected Christ and the bondwoman. Um help me with the name, please. It's, that's not hey, Sarah. The new Hagar. Jerusalem is Sarah. Hagar. So, Hagar. Thank you, Joe. So, so the old Jerusalem is Hagar. They rejected Christ. So we're looking for Sarah, the promise. And, and so we have to, you know, yeah, Jesus is going to set foot on the Mount of Olives, but does Jesus not travel? You know, and, and to bring in the millennial reign, we set up his government for him. So when he returns, it's set up and, and Acts chapter three, verses 20 to 21 says that Jesus must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things. So there's a ministry that we have to do to prepare for him for his return. And that's the old Israel that you're talking about. For 300 years in America, they viewed themselves as the new Israel. They viewed themselves as the American Israel. They knew that they had the new covenant. They had the New Testament, and they set up God's government on this continent.
1: I I see a difference. I, I don't see it. We're not kingdom builders. We're not building. It all goes down, and it goes down. And such will be his tribulation as never was before on the earth. And so that's how I see it. Uh, I don't see it that way. I see when you're reading Matthew 24, is quite clear on that. And, you know, Matthew 20, what happened was there was a timeline. And I, I don't see saying an old Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem. He's coming through the east gate of Jerusalem. In fact, if you study Deborah's song, the path of the Christ return, is he starts at Sinai and he comes up the right side of the Jordan and he comes into Jerusalem from the east side. That's why the Muslims went over there and they they sealed up the east gate to say, well, now he can't get in. You know, how silly that is. But, yeah, I yeah. just made like it there. And I think that if you read the Seder all on Rabbah, you know, there's a timeline. You have to understand there's two timelines here. The timeline was that you, you had the Jews who were to accept their Christ. If they had accepted Christ and he still had to go to the cross, he still has to go, and the sins of the world have to be paid for. Okay, so so we have Christ has got to go to the cross, and then what's the next event after that is the tribulation. So that's why Jesus said, except those days be short. Well, how long were they short? Well, they were short, and we know by at least 120 days, because it's in the upper room. It was 120 days to the upper room. But So the timeline would have been the Jews would have received Christ. He would have went to the cross. They'd have been in the tribulation. But what happened was they didn't receive Christ, and they didn't receive Christ because they're not thinking of a Savior in the manner they were thinking. They're looking for land, because that's the promise in Deuteronomy that they're going to have the land. You know the curses and the promise from Mount Gerizim and Mount Sinai. And so what you, what you end up with is uh, you end up with a, a period of time where God inserts this church age, and that's why Paul said all of Israel's not lost. God has a remnant. There's a remnant, Amen. and you know Amen. you know. It, You know, and there's some guys, you know, look at British Israelis trying to teach, say, you know, we are the Jews, you know, and that the 12 tribes were lost. And, and, you know, and it's the biggest lie going in the world. And and these pastors are falling for that nonsense. Paul said he was of the tribe of Benjamin. So if the 12 tribes were lost, what was Paul doing? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you know, you 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 just have to really look at the scriptures. But the timeline in Daniel and understand, I I wrote a book on it. I I have it here. I, I just haven't had it chance to get it out there uh it's sitting here and I and i also uh wrote a you know uh a thing on uh the gap down there in genesis 1 1 but uh, again um uh, you know we have to we got to be careful what we're where we're going with prophecy because we can over prophesy prophecy uh, that that's one of the problems i i believe this i believe that after the tribute right after the tribulation you have the battle of armageddon and after him and Joel chapter two is the army of the Lords that comes back, and that's us with him and his heavenly host. And then there's you know, there's the rapture, but there's a the revelation. Peter talks of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so in the Song of Solomon, when you're reading chapter two, there's that rapture. He calls them up and it says that his her beloved is behind the lattice. And the scripture says that not you know, when we when the rapture occurs, not everybody sees him just to save they're gone. And then at the revelation of Jesus Christ, everybody sees him because the heavens open like a scroll and he's on a white horse. And then that army comes back. And after Armageddon, then the Lord sets up his kingdom, that millennium reign you're talking about for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. But he's Mm -hmm. and he pulled from Jerusalem, you know, you know, and I got into it with the Palestinians one time we were talking. They said, well, you know, the land of Palestine. Listen, the land, there's no such thing as a country of Palestine. It was a land and it was ruled by 25 kings. Arafat himself was not a Palestinian. He was an Egyptian. His wife was a Roman Catholic, okay, and he's leading the Palestinian Liberation Army. And so when Jesus told Moses, I mean, when God told Moses from the burning bush to take off his shoes, he's on holy ground. That means ground. That means something holy, the word, that's the first time it appears in the Bible. And under the doctrine of prime mention, usually the way a word appears, it stays the same through the Bible. Not always, but most of the time. And so the word holy meant something separated onto God. That land that Moses was standing on is holy. It's separated onto God. It doesn't belong to the Arabs. It belongs to the Jews. As simple as that. That's biblical.
3: Okay. All right. Uh, that's it. You know, see these doctrinal perspectives and 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 deep convictions, though. Uh, even though st- tonight is very civilly discussed, uh, which is awesome. Uh, people can learn from. So, what do we take from it in the end?
4: Yeah, I've actually been listening to you guys
6: since you started. Um, oh, okay. A lot of a lot of interesting things were said. Um, so a lot of things came to mind. One of the things that struck me the most is, I guess what I wanted to say is, anybody, there's all this talk about God and love and loving God and, and hate and love, and obviously there's 2,000 different denominational sects within Christianity. So it, it just, I can sit here and give my understanding of, you know, the, the so-called rapture in the 1,000 years, because it's different than anything anybody's discussed tonight. But I first want to say that anybody who truly, genuinely acknowledges the creator lord god almighty divine they must acknowledge who and what the creator is and what the creator created that that the creator created man and the creator created woman and he created man to be man and he created woman to be woman he created Amen. all of the unique beautiful different races of humanity anybody that believes in god must believe that so Amen. I, I think that the enemy and we probably all agree on pretty much who the enemy is. The enemy has done a great job. Uh, A few people mentioned the word division. You know, you have. There's a lot of division going on. And a lot of that division is based on false concepts concerning race and false ideas concerning, you know, take the, the, the role of a woman, for instance, right? You mentioned Sandy. You know, she was on our show the other night. I absolutely salute Sandy, applaud Sandy. And I've seen any woman that's a, that's a, pilot it has, has achieved a tremendous uh, accomplishment without question. But to the extent that let's look at now, say, the enemy who is behind all the media, behind the movies, the TV programs, the shows, and they are pushing women into these positions of, you know, shaving their hair off, being on heavy steel, having a big gun in their hand, and putting tattoos in their butch killers. That's not what God created women to be. He created them to be maternal and soft and loving and lovers, um, not to be, you know, militant, butch, murderers. That's not what God created women to be. So sure. there is a fine line be, between saying, yes, we can respect and appreciate any woman who, for whatever reason, stepped up to go the route of, you know, making such an accomplishment as being a, a, an Air Force or Navy pilot. And there are many women who have done that. It can equally be argued that the the, the roles of women uh the the racial controversies that exist have been pushed into this world which is upside down and backwards what is good is bad what is bad is good everything is upside down in this world so it's equally fair to say you know if we're going to pursue a true love of god and earlier the the the, the doctor mentioned you know the reality that god didn't create men to be with men that you know a man says he loves a man that's not what god created so this whole notion of You know, homosexuality and transgenderism needs to be something that if you don't accept it, you're hateful. You're, you're a bigoted racist is all part of their psyop to confuse people. So it really comes down this whole conversation to the simple statement that we all say so often, evil will prevail when good men and women do nothing. And the only way to know what evil truly is is to acknowledge the creator, God Almighty, divine, who created all things. And putting those things into their proper place for what they are. And the race issue is to, to me one of my favorite ones to discuss because I fully understand where the enemy has come with that. They have literally got people ashamed and, and, and like a dog with their tail be, be, between their legs thinking, Oh, no, this, this isn't, no, no, this isn't about race. No color of skin doesn't matter. Race isn't about color of skin. Race is about all the all the differences of, of humanity. The Chinese are unique with their hairstyle and their facial features and their bone structure. Negro, black Negroids are completely unique and beautiful in their own right with the way that they were designed and created. So, while I think that I've spoken with Judge Waters on the phone a couple of times, he even referenced it early on here about the Caucasians, about Israel, the, the true Israel, the original Israel that traveled into the Caucasus Mountains and came out. and and created all of these different nations. But this mainstream concept of that little piece of land over there called Israel, people think that's Israel, that little nation state. Like, oh, that's them. There's the great Jews that we must all acknowledge as being where Jesus came from. When that's not the case at all. Jesus Christ himself was an Aryan. He was white. He was Caucasian. There are actual just depictions of him by Pontius by Pontius Pilate and several others who stated he had light blue eyes and a golden brown hair, and he was a beautiful man to to behold. So th- these, when you bring these realities up and you start talking about the Adamites, those of us who came from Adam and Eve, not all human beings came from Adam and Eve. The Israelites, the white Caucasian Aryans came from Adam and Eve because, again, God created all of the creation. He created all of the unique different races of people. And the Adamites came here for a reason, and they failed. They faltered. And I won't get into the cryptics of, of you know, uh, Genesis and the Garden of Eden because it's cryptic, it's not literal. But that's another thing, you know. Part of the division is all these different people. Some people take a sh- a literal interpretation of the Bible. Others understand it, Others understand it cryptically. So I will say this just for the just last thought, to share a thought, because it may be true, but it still doesn't matter to me, because ultimately I think that we, the people, need to stand up and take action to retrieve our God-given inalienable rights of liberty and responsible freedom. But I will say that having studied for 15 years with the best of the best, my great-granddaddy was a Baptist preacher, I studied with them all, the Seventh-day Adventists, the Latter-day Saints, all of them. That was my life from 15 years of age to 30. And I will tell you that what absolutely is a very biblical-based concept of this thousand years and this thing about rapture is simply this. This world is sinful. It's full of, of sin and godlessness. And that there's a day when Christ Jesus Yeshua is going to return, and he's going to return in the clouds in glory. And when he returns, the wicked will be destroyed by the beauty and splendor and glory of his coming. And those of us, according to Second Thessalonians four sixteen, will be caught up to meet the Lord heir and will return for a thousand years into the heavenly realms. Everybody on this earth was destroyed by the glory of his coming. It says, where the where the bodies lay, so shall the vultures gather. And for a thousand years, we'll be in the heavenly realm looking at the history of why, who made it, and who didn't make it, and and seeing the answers of everything, why this person made it and why that person didn't. And then we will return with new Jerusalem that will be brought down upon the earth. The wicked will rise up. They will be resurrected, the second resurrection. They will rise up against that city, and they will all be judged at that point, at which time fire will come down from heaven. I'm just sharing that because, again, like I said, no, because we're interested in the-
3: hearing what you have to say. No, Mike, that was that was good. But can the doctor interject here? And then I see Sarge here also on the line. He wants to interject. So, but go ahead, Doctor, real quick, and because uh, I want yeah. everyone to have a you say, because I- we're I- you know, okay. But go ahead, Doctor, you I'll want to refute that? Yeah, I got. I'll address that
1: prophetically. I have a little knowledge myself. I I studied a little bit. I have a doctor in religious education. a Well, religion, I studied a little bit. You know something. Prophetically, when Jacob was blessing his sons, the 12 tribes, there's a prophecy that says Japheth would inherit the tents of Shem. And we know that Shem went east, and that would be the Chinese and them in that area. And we know that Japheth went to Europe, okay? And what happened? The European came over. How did Japheth get to North America? Through the Bering Strait. So Japheth. Shem would inherit, Japheth would inherit the tents of Shem. Shem came to to North and South America that way, and the Europeans came, and what did they do? They conquered the Shemites, who were what? The American Indians, okay? That's biblical. That's prophetic. The other problem is this, with British-Israelism, the man who started the British-Israelism, Armstrongism, his son has taken over his church.
0: And repented of that doctrine, in case you were wondering of that,
7: if
1: you didn't
0: know that. And when they did that, they
1: split into a dozen splinter groups. And some still hold to that, some don't. Like the Queen of England, who's, you know, has a stone underneath her throne that supposedly Jacob slept on. And so we have to be careful on what we're saying and what we're teaching. Because... It doesn't teach in the Bible. Jerusalem's anywhere else but where Jerusalem is. It doesn't teach that Jerusalem's yeah, in America. All... And it doesn't teach that Jerusalem's anywhere else. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. And so we we can play the prophetic game. But pro- prophecy is fulfilled as far as Japheth and Shem go. Okay? Yeah, with, with all due respect. All, and God did create well, all the races. God did create all the people. God did create men to be men. I mean, even Walmart knows that. They have a men and a boys section, you know. And I agree with you in those things, okay? But I think that, again, if if you haven't read the Seder Olam Rabbah, you all need to read it. And then it'll clarify Daniel. And then it'll clarify why Jesus told them, you see, to forgive 70 times 7. Do you remember that? Why 70 times 7? Because it's 490 years. 490 years is the fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week.
6: I'm trying to say this as gingerly as I can because I absolutely respect that you have a degree. You, uh, you could be a Ph.D., and I respect that, but, you know, it goes back to that simple reality that you can have five people with Ph.D.s and have five different opinions. So it kind of becomes irrelevant, you know, the, the education that anybody has. No, no, I, and the notion that, that Noah had Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And Shem happened to be a Chinese man. It, it's, it's it's just ludicrous. I mean, the, the, they're I,
1: not. They, I, 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 the, I didn't say that. He said Shem.
6: The Bible says Shem went east. And who's in right, the east? Right, he went east. It doesn't mean he was Chinese. Okay. Well, well no. What one? The east? Aryans. And leave. by the way,
1: when when the when the uh, first missionaries get there to China, you know what they find? The mother and the Madonna. Okay, I'm not a Catholic, but I'm just saying that's what they find. You know, where did that idea come from? But And I didn't say that he was Chinese. And the only reason why I mentioned my education, which really means nothing, because when God calls a man, he quits him. And he doesn't need an education. Many pastors I know that have great congregations and churches that have never been to a school that God has raised up. And so the education doesn't mean anything. But the only reason why I said that was because you had said you had studied it for 15 years. And so I just wanted to let you know I had a little study, too. That's all. The the, the Aryans
6: conquered all of Asia. The Aryans, who were the Israelites, they conquered all of Asia. They conquered the whole world. They went around the entire globe, the the, the Israelites did. So it's just that the understandings people have come from, yes, different studies, from different books with different views. Ultimately, it, it comes down to anybody who ultimately really truly, truly loves the truth and seeks the truth, they should find it. But I think that often... There may be people that are seeking the truth, but they kind of get caught up in a particular comfort zone, or or maybe they get caught up in a particular uh, book or books that take them down a particular direction. I mean, the, our enemy has done a great job of, again, confuse, dividing, right? Divide and conquer. They confuse people. And, even and they the, were, enemy, not, the enemy? The enemy is shaking, correct? Correct. Well, and again, if we, want to, if we want to take that literal or we want to take it figurative, we know that right now, in the most liberal sense, the enemy is a new world order, one world government agenda of people who are hell-bent on having total control over this world and everybody that's in it. So, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah.
6: yeah. Who's, who's, who's behind, behind the new world
3: order, though? Who's behind the new world order? Uh, obviously, obviously the devil, yeah, right?
6: right? Well, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm going to keep that, I I approach life in a very literalist sense from a a physical sense, right? The Bible, I take it from a very cryptic sense because it makes more sense. From a physical sense of living, I'm going to take things in a more literal and practical sense. In other words, I'm not going to say the devil made me do it. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to look to quotes again like when, you know, evil will prevail when good men and women do nothing. So uh, several of the preachers tonight, the, the doctors, Reference that reality that we didn't stand up. We didn't stand up for for God's laws. Ultimately, for God's laws, because God has laws that He put in place, and if people followed God's laws just by virtue of saying, "Yes, I'm going to live in accordance with God's laws," but what have they done with that? Oh no, Jesus did away with the law, and and it's just it's not even Ten Commandments anymore. It's just two. It's love your God and love your your neighbor is yourself. And, and therefore, they use that to bastardize the word love. And, well, they're gay, but they love each other. And, and, and the doctors, they love cutting the, you know, the breasts off of women and cutting the penises off of men and, and doing surgery on them and turning them into
0: freakazoids.
6: But that's love. They've bastardized the word love. It comes down to God's word. God's the creator. What did he create? What he did create is being completely destroyed and bastardized. And the Israelites, the true Israelites, are here to put an end to that and to bring people back to the truth of the Creator. It
4: religion the way it was written, for example, not misconstruing misconstruing the word adultery.
6: Right, that's a good example my son just made about, you know, ultimately, even the, the Bible, you know, Again, having the background with religion myself, I know that the King James Bible is the one that everybody likes to say is the perfect book, but a lot of people will have great arguments against that, the fact that it was written by a king, you know, a, a man, a human being in, through, via the Vatican, right, of people influence, human influence on it. Ultimately, unless you learn Greek and go back and study Greek, and even when you do that, you have to give the proper, you know, there's words in Greek that could be translated this way or that way. Which way are we going to translate it to suit our, our purpose? Or our well,
1: well, we must that believe work? that God is powerful enough. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the, the King James Bible had nothing to do with the Vatican. It didn't come out of the Vatican. The only Vaticanus manuscript that were used, were used was the uh, B, and that wasn't found until, you know, late, the uh, manuscript. Nothing in the King James Bible came out of the Vatican. And that's a that's a blatant no. false lie. The, that's a statement no, that's not counsel, true.
6: The Council of Laodicea in 330 no. AD determined what books no. would be in the Bible.
1: No, no, no. that Council of Laodicea did not determine the canon of the books. You better go back and look at that. And, and also what you said about Jesus is wrong, too, because in, in Deuteronomy 25, the Lord prophesied that he would raise up a, a prophet like Moses. And if the Jews were going to accept a prophet, they weren't going to accept a blue-eyed white guy from England, okay? They, they accepted a Jew who was a Jew, and he wasn't blue-eyed, and he wasn't blonde. And that picture comes from the 1300s. Yeah, that's Excuse that's, me. that's that a comes false understanding. Through, that. That comes, no, it's not a false understanding. It comes from the 1300s, it and it was, the, it was a depiction of, of an artist in a contest, by the way. And Jesus Christ couldn't yeah. have been accepted by the Jews, unless he was a Jew. And unless, and listen, and he wasn't white. He had olive color skin. And he, and if you read his description, you see it in the Song of Solomon. It gives you the description of the Lord. Okay? And and no, joking absolutely. around with some Governor, of my African-American friends one day, Governor, when we, were, when his we, letter, when we were reading, they would not, listen, the Jews would not have received Jesus Christ. He had to be a Jew, and he had to be of their descent. Okay, and that's why the genealogies are in Matthew Absolutely. and Luke, and it's quite clear. Okay, so, so he doesn't, there's nobody in there. And listen, about this woman thing that you're saying, that about a woman that she should, you know, God says she, you know, she shouldn't do this. Hey, listen, God called Deborah, and she led the nation of Israel. God called that woman to put that tent stake in that man's head. God has used women throughout history. And when, a man, when he doesn't have a man to stand up, he'll call a boy. And if a boy won't stand up, he'll call a man. So to say that God doesn't use women and it's a woman's place supposed to be stuck in the kitchen and all that, you know,
6: we've we
1: got to be careful what we're saying there. That's a little anti-biblical. He uses women. Yeah, that's he not used what, divorce. And,
6: and she said, led a day. Yeah, and that's not what I said. I said that the current, the, the enemy is using the media, media movies, television. To create women into these butch holding sh- sh- machine gun guns, Yes, that's
3: what you did and, say he did say that, yes
1: listen i stand I'll stand, cor- I'll stand correct i'll stand correct on i apologize i thought you i misunderstood that and and I stand corrected on that, but i can't i can't agree with you and, and i am sorry i don't agree with british no, don't the i don't, you I, have, don't you have, and I don't but but i want to say this, listen, that doesn't mean you love Jesus any less than I do. And it doesn't mean you're any less saved than I do. Okay. But, you know, I believe this. I believe truth is not relative. Okay. And when we say, well, the King James Bible was written by a bunch of guys, listen, Psalm 12, six and seven says God's preserved his word. You and I have his word. Jesus didn't tell you to live by every word of God and then not give it to you. It's here and we have it and it's inspired. And, you know, people say, well, there's no perfect translation. Well, I got news for you. It happens to be because God's the one who preserved it, not you and I. And God works through men. The Bible says holy men of God who were moved. And, and I understand what you're saying about the council and the Roman Catholics in 325. I came out of a Roman Catholic family. My father was from Calabria, Italy. And I want you to know something uh, mm-hmm. about that. They claim to be the first and original church in that they put the canon of the scriptures together. That's not true. The first church was in Jerusalem. The Lord's brother James was the pastor of the church. Okay? That's biblical. That's in the book of Acts. So, so Catholicism in itself is just an array of religions to draw religions. Okay? I mean, you know, we, we can't eat Christ to keep our salvation. We know that transubstantiation. But I'm a Bible believing fundamental Baptist. And, and I rally around right. the name Baptist because I adhere to the seven Baptist distinctives. And that's, and what the seven Baptist distinctives are is I am following, I'm not a Protestant. Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church. I'm a Baptist. We were first called Anabaptists because we were rebaptizing those who were who were taught that they could get salvation by baptism. And for that, they killed millions of us. Okay? And so, be, being a Baptist, what I'm saying is this. We're following the footsteps of the apostles. And God has promised us that he'd preserve his word. It's in there. It's biblical doctrine, and that's what all the new Bibles, the NIVs, the RSVs, the ASVs, the Revised Standard, when you go read Psalm 12, 6, and 7, you see in verse 7, it says, Thou will preserve them in the King James, but, however, in the other Bibles, it says, Thou will preserve us, meaning Israel. See, And that's not what the verse is talking about. It's taught in Psalm 6, 12, 6, it says, The Word of God is tried seven times, and there are seven World languages to the King James translation, and there are seven steps of translation to it, excluding Wycliffe. You know, Tyndale, Miles, Dale, right. Coverdale. You know,
4: the, you, the, you're well
1: educated in that thing. If your father was a Baptist and, minister, and and you 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 know that you're, you're well educated. I'm sure you're well you're well edified. I don't want to say education because I hate the word.
6: You know, education. Right. No, and, and, for the I earth. Yeah. Is and yeah, and we just we. we yeah, we just have different understandings based upon, you know, how we learn and who we learn from and what we learned and what we set our minds to try to understand. Wow. And, and, and I'm absolutely at the position that the, that you have a mainstream concept of Jews as if they were this dark group of people that came from, you know, over there in the Israel area, where the reality is there's, there's two things that could be said about that. First of all, we go back to Abraham. He wasn't a Jew. He was Abraham. And that's it was from Abraham right. that came the tribes of Israel all right so we can Hebrew. say you know and i've been i've been i've been putting this out there a lot over the last few months just to clarify because you guys were mentioning earlier the whole problem with jews and you know naming the jews and oh, even no, joseph no. Not pointed me. out not, the not me let me clarify that what a jew is right what is a jew because the term jew has only been around for a few hundred years and people will say oh if they came from the tribe of judah therefore he was a jew but that wouldn't make them that would that would put them in the tribe 12 tribes of Israel, a Judah, a Judah, right, from the right. tribe of Judah. They and the 12 Judea tribes of Judah spread out as Caucasians through the, who came through the Caucasus right. Mountains. I mean, and, and created all the, the territories of Europe and the United States of America.
0: This is David Herbert. Israel, Israel, listen to me. Israel was created and put together by the Rothschild. Israel was created <laughs> and put together. By the Rothschild. Thank you. Have
6: a good evening, everybody. Yeah, just to say, it, should, it would have been good for the other fellow who just spoke to clarify what he meant by the Rothschilds created. Yeah, I know, Israel. I know. They hang up. He hung up and ran away. <laughs> because the point, in fact, is that could have been taken by people as they created some fantasy idea of Israelites, but that's not what he meant. He was saying that they created Israel, that land over there, and he's right about that. Yes, <laughs> that's true. that little state called Israel.
3: Go back to the go back to the Congress of eighteen ninety seven there, where where they met in Switzerland. That's when they began to create the land you know, the, that's where they met over there. So uh you know, so the uh Jews.
2: The gentleman you were
4: speaking with a few minutes ago, I would encourage him to read Governor Lenticulus's letter to Pontius
6: Pilate, which gives a full description of Jesus as he witnessed it. Right. Okay. So, Did right, you, cool. kept, yeah.
7: Only, to again, you yeah. I learned something new tonight. Thank
6: you. Yeah, not only Governor Lenticulus, but Pontius Pilate. They both gave eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And so it's, it's a worthy resource for people to look at to get a, a different and better understanding.
4: I was concerning about one thing. I heard them say anything deceiving about their belief in the Sabbath day, the Fourth Commandment, right? So Correct. God says, honor this Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's all it says. However, what's the Sabbath day? Well, we got seven days in a week and Sundays being the first day of the week, and Saturday, sabbatical, is the seventh day. So Saturday would be the seventh day or the holy day of God for us to worship him. On that day, a day of rest, a day of worship, and a day of refinement on your thoughts about God and your life for each week. In other words, to a time to reflect and examine where we're at in our relationship with the Almighty. But we don't want to keep going down a rosy path of destruction, self-destruction. We'll never see the heavenly realm. So, I'm thinking in the latter days there, which I think we're emerging into, you know, slowly but uh, methodically, and there's a um, literal sequence of events that must take place for it to actually come to a total fruition of, of completion. So, right now. I'm wondering if people are giving thought about God's day, not man's chosen day, but God's day, which takes precedence in the Ten Commandments. The seventh day is the Sabbath day, and it is for the Jews, and it is for the Seventh-day Adventist church of which I belong for the last 40 years. Yeah, so, so I would much,
6: like to say... I know. I know. He, he, my dad's ultimately wanting to make the point that he wants to throw that out there, that that's his understanding. He has an understanding of that Sabbath, you know, being Saturday, not Sunday, and he holds to that. And it's a biblical, you know, equation. So he's just wondering, you know, what your thoughts are on that.
3: Okay. Uh, well, my yeah. thoughts personally, um, I kind of got to coincide with your dad a lot on what he says that day, you know, keep it holy in that day. But, you know, at the same time, didn't when Jesus came, then he came to fulfill the law. Are we not under the law anymore after after Christ went to the cross? I mean, shouldn't, you know, the Sabbath, we don't, you know what I mean? I, I just don't, can I pose that question to you?
4: Well, he didn't come to change the Sabbath day, that's for sure. And uh, he, he didn't die to, to He came change to fulfill it, meaning that he demonstrated law.
6: that he could yeah, live by
4: it. Yeah, but the yeah. Sabbath day is is a, he endorsed the Sabbath day, the seventh day, Saturday. That That's what Christ did when he was here. At 33 years old, when they crucified him, But he was
6: so, also opposed to the legalistic approach people take about it too. Yeah, but uh, you know somehow, what I think?
3: Uh, it, I think as a Republican, support of the Republic us as a country, as a republic, and and as a government here, we should have that day. Really, though, as a country, as as whether way we we choose to have that day. Now, should it be a law where we make everybody know? But I think it should be a, a, a foundation of what we believe in as a country. You know, and, I've, I've, and support it.
4: I've, Oh well, I think but who is the law? God God holds God holds authority over our civil law. And if God sure. says the Sabbath day is the is the seventh day, that's my chosen day, what he says. Well, I gotta go with him. I'm not gonna okay. go with a civilian uh yeah. concept. I agree with you. I agree
3: with you. If that's what yeah. you choose if you choose to do, then by all means, and that's what you should do. But should we have policy or law around the country?
4: Why do we select yes in the United States of America? You can't make that. Uh, you, you can't, can't make it, a
6: day of worship. Dad, the uh, no. God made the day of worship. No, but you can't. You can't. Other people have to seek that truth out for themselves. That's between them and God. No, you can't,
2: that's a point.
3: Yeah, that's what i was
2: asking. I want to agree with Mike and his dad. Uh, that's something I did learn. Um, I've been standing here firmly and, and steadfastly in our America's Republic, and that's. Something I learned several years ago that the Sabbath is Saturday, and I believe every officer, or most officers in the Republic, understand that. And the Roman Catholic Church yes. changed that some some right. I don't even know the date hundreds of years ago. Yeah, I agree, it's Saturday I too. If that Luc- was the question that he was asking. Yes. Yeah, I
3: agree. And and it's that's Saturday part of too. Lucifer's yeah. plan, yeah, to uh, devour us or destroy
2: us. I, I just want to I say been I have been thinking, been thinking enjoyed what I've listened very much, and
5: and it's wonderful where where we can listen to different concepts and even learn from each other but the whole thing is what we want to do is we want to restore the American republic And all of us are acknowledging the creator as the head of the American republic and that's where we need to be we need we need the bible believing christian people to come behind the American republic uh what's been re-inhabited in law to work toward the restoration and we can work through, we can, we can help each other like we've been doing tonight with what we've learned and what we know through education, awesome. through documented evidence as we go forward. It's beautiful, and I've appreciated the conversation so much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you.
6: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, uh, righteousarmy.org, actually militiausa.org, points and forwards to righteousarmy.org and com points and forwards to org. So we're essentially putting forth an effort to, you know, in short, say that the bottom line is we the people are the militia, and everything we're doing is we're taking a lawful, peaceful, open, and transparent approach to organizing we the people by endeavoring to have a, a point of contact, a point man and or point woman or two or three or four of them in every county who are stepping up to the plate to say, yes, you can call me and we'll give you direction on what we're doing. Having our monthly gun safety training, inviting the families and the children down, having a monthly meeting on the laws and and the republic, um, having an annual barbecue. Everybody that comes to these events is wearing a shirt that says, Second Amendment, I am a militia, you know, preferably with our... Uh, you know, website on it. I mean, I created shirts for people to get on the website, but even if you make it on your own, having a shirt that says I am militia is making a statement because we are the militia. So I appreciate that. Um, We do our national militia meetings every Sunday and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And um, I appreciate when you come on as you do, Joseph, and I appreciate you having
4: me on your show tonight. I I don't have a whole lot left to say. I just wanted to bring forward that I was hearing a lot of religious uh, Philosophy there and theology. And it just kind of dawned on me that I didn't hear anybody speaking about the, the Sabbath day, which is a very important in God's eyes because He created it and uh, expects us to honor it. And so when people get that clear understanding of what it represents, perhaps they will um, give more consideration as to what uh, had, has transpired over the last few hundred years in terms of how Sunday seems to be prevalent with most so-called Christian churches. There's a variation of doctrinal concepts and and, and a variance in uh, theological thinking in terms of what the Bible has to offer.
3: They're going to cut me off any second. Mr. Henning or Mr. Binder, we've we, we got to pray us out. Everybody, yeah. after this conversation, we definitely have to have a prayer at the end. I mean, we can't deny that. Rip, we'll rip. give due to rip. God. Rip. Most. Go ahead, Governor Henning.
2: Uh, yeah, sorry, Joe. Yeah, yeah, thank you, everyone. This has been a great great evening, and uh, thank you, every one of you, for coming and sharing your insight and your knowledge. But Representative Binder, if he'd close us in prayer, thank you.
8: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, we give thanks for your plan that is unfolding before our very eyes. From domes being systematically sealed to tyrants being called out by the masses of people on a global scale. To miracles of healing and spiritual transformation being more and more prevalent. Thank you. Throughout our short history in America, we truly parallel Israel doing its time in Egypt in many ways during our struggle to be free here in America. First there was a time of conflict, Joseph and the famine, followed by prosperity, the reunited of Israel and the growth of the nation, and then the oppression and servitude that soon caused people to become slaves to the point of not even having the right to travel at will. Then Lord Moses caused Pharaoh to give Israel their freedom over a very effective series of plagues. Then after the last plague, Pharaoh gave Israel everything they wanted and more. And so we find ourselves in a perilous scenario before the Red Sea moment today when God is setting us free. So shalom. So strengthen us, Father, out of your glorious and limited resources. Give us the mighty inner strength of your Holy Spirit and renew our commitment to keep our gospel armor on and after doing all that we can to stand. We pray for blessings for our patriots and Christians all around the world that are standing against tyranny, oppression, and crimes against humanity. We pray the protection of Psalms 91 over our military. We pray the action of Psalm 75 over our nation, and we pray for the justice of Psalms 35 all over our earth. Father, put a dome of protection around us, our family and our friends, that is impenetrable by the spiritual dark forces we war against, and send us an angel army we can call upon in times of need. Send us provisions and healing for our fallen soldiers and for those who are in the victim of medical error. Send your healing energy and frequency to them, and bathe them in your healing light. Thank you, Father, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and forever. God save the republic. Amen. God save the republic, guys. Yeah, amen. That was great. Thank you so much. Everybody,
3: that's the most important thing. We're here to save our republic, we're in trouble in this country, and we've got to come together and work together. So I want to say thanks to everybody until next Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. East. Thanks, everybody. God save the republic. Take care,
7: everybody.